0: serves this is sergene with your morning update in the afternoon for 30 years i edited lip smacks out of my audio (laughs) apparently
1: now i need to put extra ones in yeah that's the hotness that brings people in the lip smacking they want to that's that makes you more youtube friendly it makes you more official did you see the interview that adam did on YouTube with the woman the other day. Somebody was just linked it in the troll room. I, Allison, yes, her I, name is something or yes, other.
0: Somebody linked it me. Yes, I've been a supporter of her since her fifth
1: episode. Can, can somebody inform her that front address microphone should be spoken into? Not <laughs> straight <laughs> up and down. That was the only thing that was annoying me through the whole thing. because It's like her sound was hollow and there was a lot of room echo. And it's, you're supposed to talk into the top of that mm-hmm. microphone, not into the side. So funny and thing.
0: Is she was a television reporter, like out in the field reporter for twenty years. So she's been using pro audio for at least
1: that long. And somebody may have not told her what the microphone. That's there are microphones that look very similar that are yeah. side address, and mm-hmm. I don't know if she thinks that one is. Now, it's are not. you sure that it's not just simply pointing at her mouth diagonally? It looked like it was straight up and down in the video. That's the, and, and I know there are some people are that Are you use, sure she
0: wasn't using a laugh mic as well?
1: Okay. I was looking because there are people that do that. Jason so Whitlock,
0: you missed the whole interview because you are trying to find where her mic was.
1: And I'm like, this is, this, no, you're, it's a hollow sound. And a you could, you well, could have a little bit better audio. And my wife was laughing mm-hmm. as she was taking her hair down and flipping it back and putting it into the ponytail. She's like, oh, that's how she gets the guys to, to donate i don't know i think there is i like allison yeah i think there is something to be said that attractive females can get more doing video if i had to guess i would say she's probably mid 30s 40 yeah she doesn't look 40 but she is 40 yeah i think
0: she looks younger. she was a (laughs) this is funny she went from being a environmental reporter in seattle to talking about how the liberals have fucked everything up on yeah, I YouTube didn't, I overnight. Yeah, she was doing environmental reporting for literally two decades out of Seattle. And then she married a Navy SEAL, and they decided to live in a an Airstream and go buy some land where they can grow stuff and hunt and live out in the middle of nowhere.
1: It's not a bad idea. Although if you're a YouTube personality, you at least need to have internet. But beyond that's really all you need. Did there we go there's my smr. i know this was like this oh are we are we doing uh commercials for what's a taster's choice mm, although you mm, could be mm. i don't know with you this could be scotch that you're going <laughs> at here
0: yes i just woke up i need my morning scotch
1: but, but it's only got to be a glenn 47 or something uh glenn livets 47 things there that's we need do we Glen need gooey. scotch talk with sir Gene? is yeah, that well we uh, could
0: technically i am a level
1: two sommelier for whiskey wow and I'm i did not even know this how many levels are there three and what is the uh, what is the next level you have to reach and how is, is this just is the there a testing
0: yeah yeah no i have to take a class which i believe is going to be done in december of the it's december or january i can't remember it's no it's a whole thing i'm part of the, the whiskey institute of america or something like that not even know there was yeah, such a thing yeah no there is i used to be big into scotch i just uh, it was funny that you randomly poked at that hole but i know you're a scotch guy. Yeah, Bar- yeah.
1: Barry says scotch is gross and from the scotch that i've had i would agree mm-hmm. because it mainly tastes like grass although i've always been more into the irish. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, and that's absolutely true and depending on where in Scotland the scotch comes from it's going to have a very different taste profile. And i think for a lot of people they they try cheap scotch which is generally uh, very smoky and bitter, and so they're like, "Oh, this sucks." How do people drink this? But depending on where the Scotch comes from, uh, and if it's a little better quality, there are plenty of places that produce Scotch which doesn't have that heavy smoky flavor. Which is, and that comes from peating. So if it's a peated Scotch, it's going to have a lot more of that traditional, like what you would expect Scotch to taste. Kind of flavor, and I've actually I think I've talked about this on No Agenda Social, and there's actually a couple of videos on YouTube of me talking about this particular scotch, but my favorite scotch. Oh yeah, the five
1: hundred dollar a bottle stuff.
0: Yes, it's Bruichladdich Black Art, and it is a really tasty scotch. I would hope so. It doesn't have that that you know bitter smoky kind of flavor to it. It's got a pretty complex flavor to it, and it is the it is the nineteen ninety that I like. Uh, which you can't get anymore. So it's not even $500. It's just,
1: you literally can't buy it. That has to be the most depressing thing ever that your favorite drink you can no longer find. I know. Unless you've got a whole basement full of it.
0: Well, I've got a few bottles. But it's, yeah, it's depressing, but then it isn't. I actually enjoy eating... For example, not that I would ever do this, but say an endangered animal or something. There, there's a certain pleasure to having the last of something that no one else can have. And it's kind of cool, actually, because you're getting to experience something that few people have ever experienced and no more people will. Yeah. Wouldn't you want to like see how a dodo compares to a turkey? No. Yeah, of course you would. <laughs> it's a big bird. It walks around. Why do you think they're extinct? People ate them. That's they were delicious. They were super delicious. They were better than turkeys. So why wouldn't you want to eat one?
1: I suppose. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to genetically recreate the dodo in soy form or whatever they used to make all oh, this fake yeah, meat no, out of now. And Horrible.
0: Actually, yeah. it's not horrible. I shouldn't say that. I've tried the fake meat in a few different things, and it is far and above better than the fake meat was 10 years ago. But, well, because
1: it's overloaded with chemicals yeah. right and that's part Well, they of they say there's only
0: eight ingredients in the thing one of yeah, which part is of cyanide well cyanide <laughs> is actually in green a lot of foods but it's it i was gonna make a soylent green joke but you kind of walked all over that but the <laughs> silent green is people yes yes but not silent though it's what's the it's, uh, it's uh, soylent. Soylent. soylent it's like a new york silent queen Exactly. Yeah. Who else can I make fun of in the first five minutes?
1: <laughs> well, we haven't started the show yet. So well, I mean, okay, a pre-show. <laughs> let me see who I can make fun of. <laughs> who
0: would you like to make fun
1: of? We can start the recorder. Well,
0: I and, can't and believe you it. haven't started. This is like the best part.
1: That's what CSB always said about the post-show. Oh, this was best. Whatever else you do is crap. But that was better. I'm like, okay. I don't know. This, I can't <laughs> believe CSB listens. CSB is a big supporter. I don't know I'm, if he listens, I'm, but well, he's that's
0: a good point. He just sends Bitcoin. You yes. don't know if he actually listens. We can But we'll I, do it. My recorder is already running, so we got the good parts.
1: Ooh. Yeah. Bonus content. That's right.
0: This is special content only for listeners of Sir Gene. Yeah, the uh, the stuff that CSB was doing I think is pretty interesting as well. I can't believe he got somebody with such a good voice to be him on his
1: podcast. I offered to do it for him, but he said I he have found a somebody voice. with a better voice. Yes. <laughs> it's
0: true. He found somebody better.
1: Very much, very calm. The uh, the guiff voice. It, it it keeps people. Yeah, in I was the, like, god damn! And in fact, I think I
0: reached out to him and I said, "Hey, dude, uh you should come on my show and get interviewed." And he I thought said, you were going to
1: see if he could just redo your show, saying <laughs> right? everything you yeah, said. Exactly.
0: <laughs> well, that was see, that was going to be the secret ploy. As I was going to get him on the show, and then I was going to just say, "Here, can you just read this?" Yeah, he can translate our yeah. shows into English. Mm, that would be something, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes. Let me start there but here. then I don't know why but like he said yeah I'll do it and then we never connected and so there were he was never on my show yeah that
1: will happen let me reset this recorder I probably forgot about him see that's the problem that is the problem but uh, are, are we we'll going
0: pack- are we recording yeah, I, 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 I haven't heard the really like fast and energetic opening
1: yeah let me yeah let me play this this is we'll go with this one because you know, people made fun of the last one so I'm gonna pull this one out yet again and we do have a little bit of an update but with that said uh, let's do it Hello and welcome to episode number 57 of the show Sir Gene Speaks for Friday, August 20th, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America just outside of Chirac where you know what, Gene? People are still getting shot and I don't see that changing, but I know Texas is much calmer, isn't it? Well, it is. It's a very calm place where everybody has a gun. The voice you're hearing now is the calm voice. Of Gene Nev- and he is. Are you packing right now? Of course I am. <laughs> you never know who's going to come in when you're podcasting. Well, I told you I just got up. Of course I'm packing. Of course. You got to be ready. This is the thing. There's home invasions and stuff are real. Probably not in your area quite as much around, around Chirac. But if you can't get to your weapon when you need it, then uh, what's the point of having one?
0: I think the question of do you need the weapon is a stupid question to begin with. You should just have the
1: weapon. It should always be there.
0: Yeah. What's it for be, if it's not to be on you? Be prepared at, at all times. I'm telling you, Adam walks around with his gun all the time.
1: Well, yeah. And you never know what's going to happen. So when you, it's, it's always one of those things where then if you don't have it, then you're afraid, especially if you have any kind of you know, like OCD or any of that kind of stuff. It's, you feel like, well, if you leave the gun at home the one time, that's going to be when you need it. That will be the one time. Why stop at leaving it at home?
0: You shouldn't leave it in the bedroom or. You should have else. multiple. You really are saying you should have a firearm in every room of the house. Well, that's the two options, right? You can carry one with you or you can have one in every
1: room. Either way, you are always prepared. Okay. I do want to just do a little bit of housekeeping here. I, I do want to say that I have been in communication with Ryan Bemmer. Oh, how's he doing? He's okay. Personally, we're we're good and it, it's cool. And I know a lot of people have reached out to me since all this kind of thing this thing started happening and i hope that people are reaching out to ryan he's available he's a hermit but you can find him on no agenda social his email still works ryan at well that's great to hear and
0: i certainly think people absolutely should be reaching out to him he's at 9810 mayfield <laughs> seattle zip code 98101 and uh, just go say hi tell him you still love him And you want him uh, to be on the show.
1: I want you to know that he is also very well armed, so I wouldn't show up randomly at his front doorstep. (laughs) Oh, go on. Although here, if you have like a case of beer that he can see, it's probably okay. He probably will let you make it up to the door before he shoots you. Uh, Well, I'm
0: for one, I'm still waiting for Bemrose Speaks because I'm supposed to be a guest on that show. So definitely still waiting for when we're going to record that, but uh, hopefully not too
1: long from now. You would understand that. In that case, you would have to record it and post it and do all the editing work. But otherwise, he he would be happy to talk to you. Well, I'm sure that
0: I could probably manage to do all the editing work.
1: There is something to be said for diversifying as well, which is something that just... Yeah, just get rid of the white man. That's what it comes down to. (laughs) No, I meant meant doing more. That's what the world is talking about. But I meant rather than keeping everything in one box and i know it seems a little weird but i think in my perfect world i'm doing five different podcasts on five different days with five different people or at least a solo show thrown in there but i think the diversity would help a little bit have you bit. thought
0: about being a producer at any point in your life producer of what of radio
1: isn't this kind of radio oh, mean that's professional? i'm asking. Uh- <laughs> i'm like you've created a job for yourself okay all right yeah that is that is what this is it's internet radio and i think oddly enough radio Do you really when, have to qualified these days isn't for it, some people i think radio but the weird thing is versus that other thing terrestrial radio yeah well i, I think so but terrestrial radio pays a lot less which is really it, hard for a lot of people to believe and and the ads are even paying oh my less god yes so it's the, well, I, the internet- I told
0: you before i think that On one of the podcasts that I had running with another buddy of mine, we advertised on AM radio.
1: Yes, you were telling me about that because Mm -hmm. you were being you and you were trolling the guy. And he's like, oh, what do you think we could do to bring people in here? Advertise on radio. Just kidding.
0: Seems like a great. Well, I didn't say that. Just kidding. I thought I was like, hey, why don't we we go after where we know people are willing to listen to stuff. Where is that? Radio. Let's advertise the podcast on
1: radio. There is a certain amount of sense that is there because if somebody's listening to talk radio then they will probably like a talk radio format show. and You're just getting it to them in a different way. And I looked today at the, the back end of the No Agenda Stream, which is where I do the, most of these shows live. Uh, for this, uh, Grumpy Old Bands was always Monday and Friday. But uh, we're, you and I seemingly are going to be hitting this mainly on Fridays at this time. But noagendastream.com, trollroom.io. But I was looking at one of the things you can see if you go into the back end of this internet radio behemoth is where people are you get the ip addresses but you also can see their addresses and where they live well that's different but you can see the client they're using and you can see the operating system they're on and i was surprised just at the random this morning early when there's only a handful of people on the stream that five of them were on roku's which Hmm. Is I knew there was a no agenda stream app on the Roku, but I always just kind of thought that was probably never used much. That somebody created it and just well, kind of we gonna... can fix this real fast.
0: Roku isn't that horribly overpriced device for people that can't afford both devices? By no, that's Sonos, isn't it? The yeah. Roku is the uh... well, what's the Roku <laughs> one? Oh yeah, you're it's right. A... That is so- okay. That that joke just totally <laughs> got fucked.
1: It's the video streaming uh, thing. They're like, yes, the you Roku. Know, oh, Roku bucks.
0: Isn't that device that people that ought to be using the Amazon Stick device use instead? Yes,
1: it is an Amazon Stick. Mm-hmm. It's like an Apple TV. It's just another version of that. And I don't. I'm assuming that the Roku channel is only. I wonder if available anybody for on Sonos. Well, that wouldn't. they don't have a like an app store stuff like that? You could just pipe yeah. that through whatever you're listening to probably through your phone and just cast it over like the chromecast and all that no, kind I mean, of stuff.
0: They, they have their own apps i've seen the sonos app that lets you stream stuff but i thought that was a i stick. don't have one of these things obviously but uh, i know people that do well people listen through all sorts of different had, and things in fact i had to load the app on so i can play my own playlist when i come over to their house
1: taking over you walk in yeah, you have your own like entry so much because well, yeah, there's probably not at least initially, wasn't a whole lot of security built in. It was like, oh, if you're within range of a network that has this on it, then you'll just you'll just start streaming
0: over. Well, it was meant for people inside their house. Yeah, well, no, I think now it does actually require a login for some reason, but it, it did used to be that if you're on the network, if you're on Wi-Fi, clearly you've been allowed to be on. Yes, yes, and we had, and, uh,
1: yeah, and then that that would, that allowed you to just override somebody's poor choice in music. So I thought it was interesting that people are actually using the Roku app to listen live. I mean, it's just another way to do it. There's, it's. it's I know for people that are techie, you just go wait. You, you can figure that out. There's a lot of people who can't figure out how to take that link and the information that's available, the address of the stream, and put it into a program like VLC or I use AIMP or into now that you can do this into a lot of the podcasting apps, including Podcast Addict. You can go in. And with the stream name, then the address, you put that in and you can just name it No Agenda Radio. So anytime you want to listen to the stream, you can just load up that podcast app. But it was interesting to me that many people were using Roku. And it makes me realize that you have to, if you're serious about this kind of stuff, you have to do the, you have to put the effort in. And is anybody in the troll room using a Roku? If you are, speak up. It is the, uh, the No Agenda stream app mutter. But they have a Roku app for that. And I know the only person that I've ever heard talk about listening to No Agenda on the Roku app was, I think, DC Girl mentioned it at one point that she was listening through the Roku app. Uh, Mutter has a Roku. I have multiple Rokus. I think a lot of people have them and may not even know that uh, Cold Acid says he uses the Roku app from time to time. And I think there's a lot of people that probably have Rokus because my, they're one cheap of, devices. Yeah, I think one of my TVs has a built-in but I never use it. And that's one more way that people could get the live streaming shows without, you know, having to have their laptop or whatever. So it's nice. It's an interesting thing, again, because terrestrial radio now is very much limited. Even if we had a gig, it would probably pay much better. But if we had a gig here on Chicago Radio, if you were on the biggest, baddest AM station here in chicago during the day i think wgn is probably still the strongest as far as the transmitters go and i know back in the day at night you could hear wgn all the way down into florida because Mm -hmm. of the way the the signal skips but during the day for your actual listening audience you're maybe getting a few hundred miles which is quite a bit limited when you compare that to you start bloviating into a microphone on the internet and anybody goes with internet access Yeah. I bet you there are people live right now in Australia and in the UK and uh, across Europe. Well, no,
0: the Australians, I think they're not allowed to listen to controversial (laughs) speech right now. They're under house arrest.
1: Yeah. And and their
0: children apparently are under under real arrest. Oh, did you see that? Yeah. Isn't that uh,
1: insane? The whole bring your child to an arena. Child labor camps. To get them vaccinated when no parents allowed in. Oh, I... It's very strange it's a very strange world we're living in, Gene. And I listened yeah, to if anybody the, ever wondered
0: what the late nineteen thirties in Germany looked like, you're watching them. It's bizarre.
1: I listened to your episode on what's going on in Afghanistan, and this whole situation is really beyond even comprehension that it went down the way that it did. This is uh as you mentioned, which you were in lockstep with O'Reilly's coverage, so which I thought was you know quite interesting as well. He gets paid a lot more than we do. Though, yeah, given too. that I don't listen to him, that that is interesting. That it is about it being such a tribal society, so there was never going to be anybody that could unite Afghanistan. O'Reilly said maybe if God, him or herself, came down and wanted to do it, then maybe. But it's not something that any man, any Nation building group is going to be able to do. And this, the concept that you can go into a place like this and make these changes, if you're not going to stay there permanently, it's never going to happen. And what we saw was, though, a complete breakdown within just hours. And there's still a lot of people that are trapped in Afghanistan. I think the biggest scandal coming out of this is it appears that people high up in our government warned the president and his people, because I think Biden is diminished and is pretty much a puppet at this point. But he and his office were told that this was a very good chance of this happening. And they decided to let it happen. And not only that, they're not really doing much at this point to change this and this is exactly what the uh, the bit that no agenda played yesterday from lara loomer this is exactly oh, what don't spoil
0: uh, it i haven't w- listened to it yet. don't spoil
1: don't us s- spoilers now. dan crenshaw saying the same thing there's a lot of people that are saying crenshaw
0: he, i've lost all respect for that dude He he's wor- coming out as a hawk big time he's like the next uh mccain
1: maybe but he was there so he has a little bit of an idea of what's going on in afghanistan and everybody that is coming out is saying there there are things that Biden can be doing as the commander-in-chief to at least tamp this down, and they're refusing to do it. And that is the question of why and how much does it concern you that Joe Biden did his little— and I think it's bullshit that the media that's covering this telling us that it cost, you know, $30,000 for Biden to go from his summer home to make the speech— was that uh, cost thirty thousand dollars because of using uh, you know the helicopter to do it? I don't know. President, uh, I'm never well, going to worry about, about that. Right. Kind I of think stuff. it's
0: about eight thousand dollars for a medevac helicopter to fly you to a hospital, right, no, depending not, on the distance, obviously.
1: I'm not going to blame him for that, but I guess the reality also is, if you're just going to make a statement and not take any questions, then maybe it didn't need to go to the White House to make the statement. You could have made. Uh. Your statement from anywhere? I'm so not concerned about the cost of these things. In the
0: grand scheme of things and the amount of money that the government spends, he could be flying back and forth all day in the helicopter. It would not bother
1: me. Yeah, that was exactly my point. And to see that as the headline in some of these places that he spent the $30,000, it's like, uh, distraction again? You're totally missing the point here? But then Biden came out again, I believe yesterday, and made comments about COVID and then wouldn't take questions. How concerned are you? that we have a president in the United States that is refusing to talk to the media. Well, we've had that in the past, haven't we? To certain extents. It wasn't with Trump because he would never shut up. So with it was, Trump there was that. Shut
0: up. No, I'm, I'm just thinking back. Clinton didn't take
1: questions quite a few times, but he wasn't in hiding. He also had things on his schedule. This is the most yeah, he uh, had
0: Monica on the schedule.
1: <laughs> it was one of the, the most entertaining things is as I, on the Monday shows of grumpy old Ben's was pointing out the shot and murder statistics for Chicago. Bill O'Reilly has been starting his shows with the published presidential schedule for that particular day. Oh. And it's comedy when you see there the multiple days with nothing or there are days where it's, oh, have a lunch at 1230 with some group and then make a statement at four. And that's it. The only things on the schedule. It's well, it,
0: Do you think that somehow is different than the schedule of the average retiree at a nursing home?
1: No, but this isn't... Uh they're not in charge of the country, the average retirees in the nursing home.
0: Yeah, and, and what's crazy is it's the stupid Gen Zers that put him in charge of the country. Why do you want
1: Grandpa running things? This is the question that I've asked multiple times because Barack Obama was supposed to usher in a change in the way our leaders, our politicians at the top look. Not just the fact that he was black, but he was younger which was also a pretty big deal. And the fact that we just went back to the 70 to 80-year-old white guy and gal, if really the Hillary was one of the main competitors for you know Trump, and uh, I don't understand why we are, as a nation, going to people in that range. There's a lot in the, it, this may be it, that when you go to the people in the Republican and Democrat parties, they're like, well, here's who's next up. It's really just a system of, joe and uh, he's been sitting around waiting and it's, now it's finally his time when the society of
0: logan's run is starting to make more and more sense to me yeah you know you're getting up in those upper 30s no good can come of you being
1: around anymore there i understand why you wouldn't want a 35 year old necessarily as president but i would rather have somebody closer to that age range than closer to 80
0: yeah and, you know I, well, I would prefer neither. Clearly the Gen X is the proper generation to be in office. But that aside, I think just there should be a competence test, like a basic mental competence exam that is given to people before they can get a driver's license should also be administered to potential presidential candidates. Yes. And like driving,
1: they should have to take the test yearly Exactly. once you hit a certain age. This is, uh,
0: yeah. Yeah, no, that, I, I totally am on board. All kidding aside, that actually makes sense. You give the president a physical, why wouldn't you give him a mental test as well? Do you, you yes. really want somebody with the codes to not be able to pass a psych exam?
1: Yeah, there's certain cognitive tests that they should probably have to be able to pass. This has happened in our history, though. In the past, we know this, that presidential maladies of all sorts have been covered up. Yeah, FDR. Be- should have yes. never been president. It was a lot easier to cover this kind of stuff up before. They just put a blanket on them. Yeah. You know, before the internet, before 24-7 new, uh, news coverage, there was uh, much easier for this kind of things, uh, these things to be put into the background, at least. But now, this is a much different world when people are watching what's going on in Afghanistan, including. The video, I'm sure everybody listening has seen, the airport that is overrun, people grabbing onto the planes as the planes are going to take off, falling from the planes after they do take off. Now, if this was in the 1960s, 70s, 80s, then it was up to the individual news networks to, one, be able to get those pictures, and that wasn't always easy. Mm -hmm. But if they got them, then it was up to them to publish those where... Now, a lot of what we get as far as being able to see what's going on around the world has nothing to do with the media. It's from individual people with their cell phones that are posting this stuff to social media. So it becomes much harder to cover up. There's still ways to spin everything, sure. And there's ways that the leaders of various countries and the media will lie. But this concept that People aren't going to notice this debacle that's going on. It's not easy to just play that for somebody to get onto CNN. If somebody wanted to protect Biden to come on to MSNBC or CNN and say, well, no, things are calming down in Afghanistan while social media is showing the kind of videos we're seeing, Mm -hmm.
0: you know, there literally have been Americans now held without bail in jail for eight months stemming from doing essentially a crappy job of what the Taliban just did much better in Afghanistan.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're talking about the January 6th,
0: the attempted coup of the United States that wasn't carried out particularly well because it involved a lot of grandmothers and grandfathers waving American flags. But there's something we could learn here from the Taliban as far as how to take over the capital.
1: Well, one, have weapons. This is it probably a really no, good No, No, most start, important right?
0: thing. Most important thing you'll note, and especially if you've been following me on Nodin Social, you got to have Toyotas.
1: Uh, okay. And you want to ride in the back of these? Yes. Without? Yes. Yeah.
0: But I've I posted photos, and this, maybe if anyone's not on Nodin Social, it's a great reason to be there because I post on there. I posted photos of the Taliban, Al-Qaeda, no, no not Al-Qaeda, Taliban, the, yeah, Al-Qaeda and the Mujahideen. In Afghanistan. So I had photos from last week. They're driving in white Toyota Hiluxes. I had a photo from 2005 driving white Toyotas. Photo fr- from the Al-Qaeda in the 93, I think. They're driving a brown Toyota Hilux. And a photo of the original Mujahideen from like 82, 83 in a white Hilux Toyota. And I was like, Toyota's got a hell of a long contract with these guys.
1: <laughs> well, obviously, they're the only uh, trucks that they're stand the
0: fleet, up. They're the fleet providers for the Taliban and for a lot of African countries as well. But, man, it's they're always brand new. The other thing that, that is shocking somewhat to see is it's not like these guys all drive Toyotas anyway, and they took their personal vehicles and I've now started driving around and, uh, with uh, AK-47s and Toy- Toyotas. In all these photos, in whatever year the photo is, the Toyotas are of that year. And I checked this. I actually looked up the old brochures for the Toyotas to look at like, the front uh, fascia of the car and compare it. And in all these photos, these are brand new Toyotas. Okay, that's
1: weird. Do you think this is all staged, or do you think they just really now, love the I Toyotas? I have a
0: theory about this, and I've posted well, I figured it the social. the theory is I don't think Toyota ever stopped fighting World War II. Maybe. Mm, I think they're still trying to win.
1: It's definitely strange.
0: Yeah. It is it, definitely strange. And and they used to always have AK-47s. So that was like the, the standard. And then this last photo uh, from a, a week ago. There's a photo of these guys sitting out of Toyota and holding ar 15. Well, not AR-15s, probably M-16s. M-16, what, A2? H-bar. So it was like, huh, maybe the U.S. got a part of this contract. This well, is, this that is, was
1: the what, the biggest problem. Besides, if you want to, which I'm not suggesting you do, but once you get beyond the human cost of this, because right now it seems like there's a lot of people that need to be evacuated from that country that it's... Looking very dicey. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know if there are special forces working on getting some of these people out or not. But once you get beyond, you mean the collaborators? Well, them and there's still there was thousands of Americans still in Afghanistan, which I don't even understand how you allow this to happen. If you're going to pull out of a country like this, then you need to get word to anybody that is an american first and foremost if you're in the united states you're pulling out of afghanistan you need to make sure that anybody that's an american in that country knows about this before it happens and so you can get them out without having to go through the chaos that's going on they now prob- they probably just haven't had their
0: COVID tests done
1: maybe you can't get on the plane unless you oh well, yeah, yeah. you the-
0: gotta have a vaccine passport or you gotta swab and wait 48 hours
1: The TSAs are very serious about that, but once you get beyond the human aspect of things, it seems that there was a whole lot of weaponry, vehicles, all this stuff left behind that if you knew you were going to be pulling out, I don't think you want to leave thousands of rifles and ammunition and whatever other kind of ordinance you may have behind there. I don't think you want to leave that, but... You know, maybe I'm just crazy. Well, you would we left
0: think plenty of things in Vietnam as well. The, the difference here was the Vietnamese, and actually the U.S. Special Forces at the time as well, preferred the AK-47s because they tended to jam a lot less than the American guns.
1: Well, yeah, that, that's really not a good thing. Sand gets in them. You don't want your weapon to blow up in your face or not work mm-hmm. when you need them to. So I thought that was interesting, the amount of just physical things left on the ground but one of the stories that i had pulled up was how the afghan people now and this is the tech tie-in for all this is they're scrambling to delete their digital history and you Mm. think about that if you were living in afghanistan for the past 20 years and you thought things are relatively safe the american military's here posting things onto whatever the social media sites that are popular there are. sucks Uh uh-huh yeah (laughs) That's this is the Uh kind of stuff you're now going back and uh, very quickly trying to delete their digital history, and it's a very interesting technological problem.
0: So, how bad is the Taliban if they haven't shut down the
1: internet yet? How bad are they? As far as shutting it down in Afghanistan, it's a question if they know exactly how to do it. I have, dude. I cannot get my uh, brain around. Question:
0: If they know how, they have their own internet. Uh, video shows of course they know how
1: well, well they're on twitter that's uh, they're on youtube
0: they're twitch they're on everything
1: it doesn't mean that they know besides blowing up the cell towers and that i don't know if they're you're saying sh-
0: you don't think that there are dudes named ben that work for the
1: taliban are you kidding there has to be but yeah there are. so the, it will be interesting to see how that gets locked down and within the first 24 hours i wouldn't expect that to happen what we did see within about the first 24 hours were videos coming out of people pulling down the Taliban flag and putting the Afghan flag up and then getting shot. So, I mean, we're seeing that. So that's one way of crowd control. It's a little bit uh, more brutal than what you'd get here in the United States. But this concept of your digital history then being used is a serious problem. If you were posting things publicly, that could not, we talk about that all the time here on Grumpy Old Benz, which is on on a much more different level of things, but go. You posted something 10 years ago, which is now a word that nobody can say, and you can't get hired because of it. In the case of Afghanistan, it's quite possible that you might have posted a word 10 years ago that if the people in charge find it and then find you, will kill you.
0: Well, it's a good lesson to learn. You shouldn't be
1: posting things that you're not willing to stick behind. Yes, don't post anything anywhere in the... It is interesting that I if i pulled the article here or not but twitter said that the because uh, they do have accounts on twitter from the taliban and it was like well as long as they follow our rules and and you know aren't too violent hmm. we'll let them continue to post and i'm like wait so you pulled donald trump off but you're allowing the taliban to stay on your or- to be fair they are the legitimate
0: rulers of a country you can't just take somebody <laughs> who's the head of a state off twitter that no that's you can't do things like that you that's kidding? what they
1: did gene well no it, they didn't the taliban is still on there oh but donald trump when he was the leader well that's of the united trump. states no yeah no, that's
0: a whole different question
1: now of course it's a different story so really so when it what to trump
0: it, did i think way justifies. less yeah really compared to the taliban you got to compare them side by side, and you realize, well, of course they took Trump off.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to compare the two, of course, you can see where Donald Trump was way more dangerous yes. to people's lives than than the, than the Taliban. I He mean, used that's... extremely racist words like freedom. How dare he? And yep. Jack Dorsey looks like he might be in the Taliban. So it's very...
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point.
1: It's hard to say what, yeah. Jack, what side they're on. Jack Dorsey would not be uh, alive for very long with the Taliban running things, that's for sure. Yeah, so this is interesting when you think about living under that kind of a regime and one if you lived under it your whole life it's a little different because mm-hmm. when you have always had to deal with that then you grow up being careful that you can't say anything. You I mean you hear stories all the time of people that came out of the old Soviet Union and areas like that and when the change happens almost overnight this is a very interesting time in history because I don't know the last time something like this would have happened in the blink of an eye with the technology, with all the social media, with all of these breadcrumbs, these trails of content that people have been leaving for years out there. And it's, it's mind boggling. I can't even imagine if I was somebody in Afghanistan who had posted a bunch of stuff like this. You have to, at this point, just be hiding And hoping you never get found. because I don't think
0: think you're hiding. I think you're exactly out front and center running behind an airplane.
1: Right, right. Yeah, you're trying to get the hell out. I
0: had a Facebook account. Get me out of here.
1: Yeah, they're going to kill me. Yeah. You have no idea. And really, you look at the number
0: of those people that are at the airport right now. I guarantee you a lot of them did not work for the U.S. A lot of them are just trying to leave for the reason that you just mentioned. They think that... There's something that could end up biting them in the ass, and they would much rather not take the chance and then take the train to America. In fact, so just recently here, I flew back from Seattle visiting Bemrose, of course, and of course. on my drive from the airport to my house, I had an Afghan, Afghanistani, I guess Afghanistani. an Afghan. That's a rug, right? Yeah, yeah. There are well, yes. no, that's hey, a rug. That's a drove blanket. Me. Yeah, they can't be Afghan rugs. Or yeah. no, there's dogs that are Afghan style as well, aren't they? Yeah, Yeah, maybe. there's like an Afghan hound or something. Anyway, so this Afghanistani dude was my driver in Uber, and I asked him, so how long you been here and why? And it turns out he was an interpreter for the U.S. military, and he clearly had better sense than a lot of these other people in Afghanistan and realized, oh, the U.S. is going to pull out one of these days, and I'll, I'll be screwed, so I'm going to apply to uh, get a visa to move to the U.S., which the U.S. has historically done for people that have worked for the U.S. military. In a lot of countries, that's one of the ways to get a visa, like a totally legit legal visa, into the United States is to work for the United States Armed Services overseas. So people working in, in embassies, people working in wherever, they can just usually figure out a way to legally apply for a visa that way. And, like, he was an interpreter there, he was an engineer before that, and then now he's a Uber driver.
1: But alive, so there's that plus. But alive,
0: and so I guess you have to balance the live versus maybe he could be a successful engineer working for the Taliban out there if he didn't do a stint translating.
1: Well, and that's it, because they think they take a very, no matter what they're, which is also the weird thing, the public face of the Taliban is, no, we're not your father's Taliban, we're a kinder, gentler Taliban. We're going to let women have rights. And uh, again, and they did
0: exactly say that the abuse of women is not going to be tolerated, that
1: women will have all the rights prescribed by Islam. Now there's news coming out. That's not really the case. And what the other thing people have to understand is this isn't an army like you think of the United States, where you actually are held you know, accountable to people above you. And there are very some standards, at least, Now, what you have over in Afghanistan is much more of a ragtag kind of a thing. And there's a lot of these groups that are just more on the fringes. But I thought the most interesting thing in the coverage of this came from Bill O'Reilly, who in this case, I find to be probably the best source you can go to because he is buddies with Donald Trump. So, granted, there may be bias, but he seems to usually try to bring the accurate thing out. And he said, talking to Donald Trump, He knows because Donald Trump also wanted to pull the United States forces out of Afghanistan. So this isn't something like Biden came in and Trump was all, I want to stay in and this is great. And then Biden changed that. Biden just did a continuation of a Trump policy, which is also weird because Biden has turned everything else pretty much and done a 180 and everything else. But O'Reilly said that Donald Trump talked to him about this. And O'Reilly has a whole book coming out on terrorism that. He had a face-to-face, and if you remember when this happened, because this was, oh, wow, are you negotiating with terrorists? But he had a face-to-face with some of the Taliban leaders. And from what it sounded like, according to O'Reilly, who was according to Trump, these guys were told, we're going to be pulling out, and here's what we expect to happen when that happens. And if this doesn't happen, not only are we coming back in, but I know who you guys are, I know where your families are. And first and foremost, what we're going to do when we come back is kill you and everybody and all of your families. And I believe that the Taliban would have believed Donald Trump. And I believe Donald Trump that if he were the president and this is the kind of thing that went on, this is something he would have done. And Joe Biden, if you're in the Taliban and you're thinking the guy that threatened us when he was in charge, we were afraid. But now this guy? who won't even talk to reporters? You think he's going to do anything? And I think this is how you get the situation where, you turned into the just debacle that it is. And a lot of people would be like, wow, I mean, I can't believe the president of the United States would threaten people like that. But it's like, what do you think happens in the world? There's a lot of people who don't understand the way the real world works. It's not everybody gets a trophy. This is is something that uh, I think is very detrimental to Americans. This concept over the last decade or two that everybody's equal, you don't have to work hard. It's a dog-eat-dog world, Gene, or am I wrong?
0: Well, I I think there's a few issues there, one of which is, as I talked about in my episode on Afghanistan, is that if you don't look at this from an American-centric perspective, if you look at it sort of from a third part, not even from a Taliban perspective, but just from the outside, what you have is a situation where... Maybe a country had a particularly brutal government, okay? Let's we use that as a given. And then another country comes in and occupies that country and effectively pushes out and defeats that government, at least as far as control in the, in the broad sense of the word. Like many of the individuals that were involved in that previous government are still around. They're just no longer in government.
1: And, right, then and then that
0: nullified. yeah and then that lasts for 20 years the occupiers leave well of course it's going to be the same government that was there beforehand that comes in it it's it, if somehow china had a civil war what you don't think that taiwan after 60 years wouldn't start making pushes to come in as the legitimate government of china and take things back over of course they would that's right, like they see an 60 opening. years yeah they see an opening The Taliban was the last government of that country. Why would people think that somebody other than them would end up running the country? So that's one thing. The other thing is the people of Afghanistan never hated the Taliban. There could be certainly aspects of the previous administration that may have been disliked by some people. Like, maybe women didn't like the fact that they couldn't drive and had to cover up their bodies. But, but clearly, the fact that Taliban has returned to power so quickly, to me, indicates a very strong preference for Taliban as the government in that country over the puppet government that the U.S. installed. This Makes could sense. not happen if the Afghan people didn't want the Taliban in charge. They clearly do.
1: Right, because you can't say they didn't have the tools because the United States spent 20 years there and provided them with a lot of training and a lot of equipment to have an army.
0: And at the very least, if there was a strong disdain for the Taliban in Afghanistan, wouldn't you think there would be a civil war where there would be actual Afghans trying to fight the Taliban? Because the only people that were opposing the Taliban was the puppet government that was brought in by the United States. And so when the United States leaves, the support of an external group is gone and there's no support for the, the government that's been there for the last 20 years with the locals. In fact, they would much prefer the government that came in and was only around for six years. The Taliban only controlled Afghanistan for about six years than the government that controlled them for the last 20. Maybe the government that's been in Afghanistan wasn't all that great. And it seemed like it to Americans because that's what our media portrays, is that, oh, yes, we came in and we saved the the poor people of Afghanistan from this horrible regime. Well, okay, what the last two weeks have indicated is they much prefer
1: the old regime to what they've had for the last 20 years. Or they have no idea how not to let that happen, which I don't know what the percentages are. There's obviously a lot of people that wanted out, but they may have just been the minority, which we talk about that all the time when it comes down to the views that are expressed on things like social media and that here, where it's I can't believe that's a majority of the people. And that may right. be the same thing in Afghanistan, which is okay, those were the people that didn't want this. But if a vast majority do, then yep. you're not going to be able to to stop this rolling in. And the interesting thing is, I think the United States, anybody that's been paying attention knows that playing the world's police is not a winning battle ever and when it's something like afghanistan that is it's not we have a much bigger interest in what's going on in canada and mexico that i get afghanistan it's a little bit less concerning for the united states and it's interesting now that there's you see the headlines of well The EU is really worried about stability now because of Afghanistan falling and what that means for them. And what that means to them, then, is get your own Can I just
0: quote Victoria Nuland and say, fuck the EU?
1: Yeah, there you go. But then the EU, if you're really concerned about this, then get your ass to Afghanistan and do whatever you think you need to do. Yeah, they couldn't do shit. The EU is powerless
0: in that regard and and yeah. i think the strategically for the us losing afghanistan as a base of operations is not a good thing from a you know personal freedoms standpoint from a libertarian standpoint obviously the taliban is not a good thing it's a much more authoritarian regime but it's author- like they don't pretend to be something else when you have communist authoritarians they are using communism to be able to run the country as authoritarians. It's a lie. Because if you look at the tenets of communism, it is incompatible with authoritarianism. But almost every single, maybe I can even say every single communist regime, has simply used communism tenets to get people behind them and then run things as an authoritarian regime. So there's really no real communism in there. It's just they use that name and slogan, but really it's just an authoritarian government. But the Taliban doesn't, they're not lying about this. Like they they tell you up front that they are using the conservative interpretation of the Quran. They are using Sharia as the legal system in the country. This is all out in the open, exactly what to expect from the Taliban,
1: which by the way, just
0: means students that's what Taliban means and it's not arabic it's whatever the language pashto i guess is the language they use up
1: well that's the interesting thing though because it's way easier to understand those laws than what we have here in the united states yeah
0: well there's first of all there's fewer of those laws they're written down the penalties and now you can certainly argue and i think quite correctly that any type of a political system based on religious beliefs is going to be irrational, because it's essentially taking belief over rational thought. That's why we have a separation of church and state in this country, or one of the reasons, is because we want to use logical reason for sentencing someone to prison, rather than, oh, well, you're clearly a witch, and we're going to burn you at the stake. And you're a witch because you've been accused by three people, and that makes you a witch.
1: Well, and if you don't float when they throw you in the river. That's
0: true. If you don't, yeah. Or was it if you float or you don't? Yeah, I think it's if you float. So if you don't float, you're not a witch. If you float, you're clearly a witch. Yeah, The only way way to win is to never come up from underwater.
1: And be able to swim really fast so nobody sees where you come up.
0: Yeah, exactly. But then you're just the tricky witch.
1: Yes, that so, if they find you again. Again,
0: I have no sympathies for Taliban, but I'm more of a realist, I think, than a, a lot of people and a lot of the media and a lot of the Fox viewers as well because I I just don't see this as, A, being really a, our fault or our problem because clearly the people of the country in a vast majority prefer Taliban over the government that the U.S. brought in. Well, and
1: let's remember that the reason... 20 years ago that we went into Afghanistan mm-hmm. was to get bin Laden. And then we got bin Laden and we didn't leave. This yeah. has been muddled ever since.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And not to mention the fact that we created the ISIS in a lot of ways and were partly responsible to, for the formation of Al Qaeda because of what we did in Afghanistan when the Russians invaded.
1: Yes. So So when the Soviet Union went in, they were our enemy. So we decided to send equipment and whatever else went in to these forces that were fighting the Soviet Union.
0: Yeah. And the Mujahideen, who was like the group that predated all these other groups, were essentially the freedom fighters fighting the communist invasion. And that's the way they were portrayed. That's pretty close to reality. But there's also plenty of things about them that if you dig into it, like they they didn't observe what Westerners would consider the rules of engagement or rules of war. Russians preferred to commit suicide to be captured by these guys because if you're captured alive by the Mujahideen, they would start by raping you. And yes, men are raping men because sheep, goats, men, what's the difference, right? And eventually they would end up torturing you to death for their pleasure. That was a standard thing. Like, prisoners were not considered humans. Prisoners were considered trophies to be played with as, as you wanted to. And so, like, Russian helicopter pilots always had a shot ready for themselves if their helicopter goes down. Which makes sense,
1: which is also why you understand, then, the story of Trump saying, yeah, you do this, I'm coming for you and your family, because the rules of engagement are different. This Absolutely. is. A- it, it's annoying in a way that so many people in the united states and i'm sure in europe and these civilized societies who are like no we must be civilized when it comes to war it's, there's nothing civil about war
0: this country and- was created by people that broke the rules of warfare because the british civil form of warfare was to walk in straight lines and listen to commands as your whoever was up front shoots first, then kneels to reload, the guy standing behind them shoot next, and out in open fields. And what the much worse equipped and smaller armies of the future, soon to be United States, of the, I guess the state, or they weren't states, they were the colonies, the armies of the colonies, they had to rely on guerrilla warfare tactics. So they would absolutely break rules by shooting people as they ride through the forest to get to their field for battle. They engaged in what we would certainly consider guerrilla warfare
1: tactics. Yes, which is a different mentality. It's a win-at-all-costs mentality. Absolutely, There's no among the combatants, which uh, there was a, a video. I'm sure there have been multiple of such uh, videos out there but there was an nhl game i don't remember the two players involved that one of them was miked up so this was a very interesting kind of thing to see these were the two enforcers and they were next to each other waiting for a puck drop they're waiting for the face-off and the one very politely turns to the other and he's like you want to go and the guy looks at him and it's like affirmative whatever he says yes And the other guys, well, good luck to you. And they drop the puck and they start beating the crap out of each other. But Mm -hmm. how this, the preempt, what happened leading up to that, it's just, this is just so weird. It just shows you, this is the polite way. You ask if you would like to go to battle and then you wish your opponent well, and then you beat the crap out of them. Well, it's a boxing match. Yeah, but that's not war. That's not war. uh,
0: And this was what I was trying to get across in my episode on Afghanistan is the, the idea that, first of all, the Taliban... Are fighting for their country the americans are not i'm not sure what they're fighting for i I think originally as i mentioned our the the rationale used to go into afghanistan was not oh they have a horrible government we're going to replace it for them the rationale was oh this is where osama bin laden is hiding out so that's really why we have to go into afghanistan because i remember hearing afghanistan the first day i was like what wait a minute, I thought we were going into, into Iraq. Why are there troops at all in Afghanistan? And then, as obviously throughout the news cycles, you start to hear about how the secret mastermind of 9-11 attack was hiding out in the cave systems and being provided shelter out there. Okay, so we invade a country, spend what is now, people are saying, $2 trillion, started off as $1 trillion, have 2,400 American deaths, 100,000 civilian deaths because we wanted to find one guy who we found 10 years ago and killed. In Pakistan. Right, exactly. By the time that we found them, it wasn't even in Afghanistan. It was a whole different country. So that was about as good a rationale as weapons of mass destruction, which is to say it was a made-up rationale for being there. And when we got there, we replaced the government. And we ultimately, I think initially we were we were not on the pro-opiates bandwagon, but eventually Afghanistan, under U.S. control, saw a rise in 40% of production. So we helped them improve their farming technologies. You got to grow them poppies. You got to grow them poppies. Because, you know, because the world needs needs all the heroin. legitimate legal drugs that are derived from poppies. Sure. And <clears> none <throat> of the
1: illegal ones. But we noticed we've never invaded Pakistan. They're still considered yeah. an ally. Yeah. Yeah. And they were, like you mentioned, they actually were harboring Osama bin. Yes, and yeah. I guess the question but they also is like, have well,
0: nuclear the, weapons.
1: See, that's well, it's a little trickier. See, that's the Which club is,
0: everybody wants to get into because then the U.S. can't fuck with you.
1: you. You would think. Well, you know, but this it's, is it's, why it's,
0: we're not going to fuck with China when they reunite
1: and take Taiwan the, in. The concept of mutually assured destruction, and the question is: Do you believe at some point somebody is eventually going to press that? I, It's an interesting uh, wargaming thing. I I
0: think somebody will, and it's not going to be the U.S. Uh, I don't think there's any president that has the balls to do it anymore. Um, Yeah, I would agree. I think that the odds are that some one of these countries will use a nuclear weapon.
1: It's just going to be a question of where. And knowing it really is that, like you said, the the pilots going down in uh, that would rather commit suicide. I think if you're going to launch a nuclear attack at this point, You have to know that's going to be the last thing you can really do because you're going to be obliterated, I would think. Depending, I don't know, I don't think there's any way that China decides they want to nuke Taiwan or something like that. I don't think there's any question. I
0: don't think it'll be a first strike. I think it'll be as a response to conventional warfare. So if you, yeah, and I have a hard time envisioning anything coming out
1: of North Korea that works. Uh, I think their technology (laughs) isn't
0: exactly where they
1: pretend it is. Dennis Rodman's the only one that can bring us peace in North Korea. So there's that.
0: But let's just, let's say it is Pakistan, right? Let's say the agitation between India and Pakistan keep increasing and they get into a real hissy fit with each other. And then India sends, and in that part of the world, a small number of troops, let's say a million and occupy a portion of Pakistan. Could I envision Pakistan replying to that with a nuclear strike? Yes, I could, because. But then,
1: doesn't everybody blow that crap out of Pakistan?
0: You don't think so? No, no. Well, nobody else is going to use nuclear weapons because everybody's then afraid of a chain reaction. Uh Ha! Get it? Chain reaction? Yeah. So no, because here's what happens, right? Let's say they do that, and then India is like, "Hey, we've got a a peace treaty with uh, England." So England, go nuke Pakistan. And England's going to be like, no, bro, you're on your own.
1: We were only dating. I'm I'm done with this. (laughs) Because if
0: England nukes Pakistan, then, uh, you know, like Turkey nukes England or whoever. I'm just making alliances up that don't exist probably. But you know what I mean? It's like nobody is going to want to continue this game if one country nukes. So what I think is possible is for a single nuclear bomb to go off as a response to conventional warfare somewhere. And while there could certainly be a world condemnation and large inflow of UN forces and a coalition coming in that country, I think that here's two things that happen with nuclear. So one is no one's going to be willing to respond nuclear for nuclear because they know that will end badly for everybody. Two, no country just has one nuclear bomb. They have multiple bombs. And that means even going in with a, a conventional force is problematic because once a country has demonstrated its ability to use a nuclear weapon, you have to take it seriously. Like, it's not a question of would they use it. It's a question of they have used it. Will they use it again? Probably yes. The United States, in a lot of ways, has been seen as the leader of the free world because the United States did use nuclear bombs, we demonstrated our capability as well as our commitment to using nuclear weapons. And that made Japan surrender with no terms. It was a unilateral, or what do you call it, like a full surrender with no conditions, unconditional surrender, whereas previously they were blocking at any kind of unconditional anything. And I think it it both kept... Russia and the rise of communism at bay and it it made most of Europe and to some extent South America as well not fuck with us because we were the only country in the world that had used nuclear weapons against an adversary everybody else has just tested them on their own soil so if one more country does that if one more country uses nuclear weapons on their enemies they're going to join a very exclusive club where it's just them and the United States are members yeah. It does. But can it you does. imagine the outrage in the United States if the US replies to a a Pakistani nuclear strike with a nuclear strike? You want a, a you want not a pretend revolution like happened when people with flags were walking around the Capitol? You want
1: literally the Capitol burned down? It is a game changer. That really is, because you don't even have to have the strongest military force if you have nuclear weapons this comes down to yeah if you mess with me i've got this button and uh, it it takes the stalemate off the table like you said in Mm -hmm. japan it was like well this is going to be we saw what happened in vietnam there have been so many times where countries go to war and it's such a long extended almost nobody wins situation but if one side has nukes and the other one doesn't it takes that right off the table because you always have that ability to come in with that, and that changes everything, really. So I don't know. It all depends on the mindset as far as, hey, if, say, somebody like Pakistan nukes somebody else in the United States response, I don't know. It depends because people are so caught up in what they hear from the media, what they hear from. It depends who's in charge. It depends on so many different things that maybe you'd have a revolution but i think a lot of people would be sold on the oh well we had to do this it's like all this stuff there's i don't think they would
0: i really don't think they would i don't don't think that because there's two issues here first of all there is just the general american public which would see the because a nuclear bomb is indiscriminate right this is not going to pinpoint destroy a military base this is going to kill thousands or tens of thousands of people immediately majority of whom will be civilians, women, and children. How much Americans love women and children, especially brown women and children. And, and secondly, there is the question of, is any action done against a primarily Muslim country, jihad? Is America engaging in the next crusade, which demands a unilateral response from all Muslim countries to now bomb the United States? And True. no politician in the U.S. is going to take that chance. None of them have the balls to do that. Yeah, except Trump. Trump would not do that. He does not have the balls to do that. Trump is all about the talk. And as soon as somebody realizes you don't have to actually believe what he says, Trump loses 90% of his power.
1: Well, that's what they said about Reagan, that it was because they believed he would do whatever he had to do.
0: Absolutely. And I think that was the point in winning the Cold War was essentially propaganda that won that war. It was that Russia was convinced the United States is getting weapons that can block a retaliatory strike. In Russia, it was always believed that the United States will launch the initial nuclear attack because they've done it before. It's the only country that's done that in the past and that they're just biding their time before they nuke Russia. And so Russia had to have a really strong response capability. They had to prevent a, a nuclear war with the US by having enough nuclear warheads that the United States would know that as soon as the American ICBMs were detected, that there would be enough Russian ones going off that even if they managed to shoot a lot of them down, cities like Chicago, New York, LA would all be obliterated. And Star Wars, which was really an anti-retaliatory strike weapon, it's sort of okay, We've got the capability to hit you, and we have the capability to shoot down your response. That's scary, man. That makes anybody be worried about what's going to happen when a, an empire tries to go after you.
1: Because, yeah, because otherwise, well, you see the missiles coming in, you launch yours before they even land. So this is yeah. a the mutually assured destruction. Exactly. Although we did a—well, I did. People get annoyed, although I don't know. It's, it's a king's English. I often say we when I, but I did an episode of Random Thoughts. About the guy in Russia that was monitoring the the radar mm-hmm. and got the alert back in whatever I forget what year it was in the 80s mm-hmm. of ooh missiles coming in yeah. and didn't do what he was supposed to do right and because if he would have there would have probably been a nuclear strike launched by the Soviet Union and it's interesting when you look at that kind of stuff one just how close we probably came in that case to To something going horribly wrong, and it should probably scare up this covid stuff, and this nuclear stuff should scare the crap out of people a whole lot more I think
0: uh, yeah I, I it, it causes instant death yeah for one and, and, then, and yeah an
1: annihilation and, and then and, uh,
0: generations of birth defects and medical issues and uh, cancer running rampant and things like that, but we dropped two bombs in Japan, and it really wasn't a huge impact on Japan in terms of culture and productivity. In fact, from a physical stand, like I've I've actually been to Hiroshima. I've walked around the Peace Garden there, which was the epicenter of the blast. And not that far from there, literally maybe four, four to five blocks was one of the palaces of the emperor. And the only thing that really happened there is the koi fish died. Like all the actual structures were still in place. There were some fires burning, yes. But it's it's not like it got turned to dust or anything. This blast was a fairly fairly small blast. And in, in fact, one of the buildings that was an observatory that was fairly close to the epicenter of the blast. Yeah, and you could probably see it in a lot of postcards and stuff that you buy there. But it's like the walls were still there. The ceiling and stuff were got blown up. But the, at least two of the walls of the building are still standing as well as the metal casing that was the roof that was everybody seen the building, and you'd know exactly what it is if you look at the picture of Hiroshima. It's usually the one that they show so yeah we we dropped nukes on them, and Japan instantly surrendered, but they weren't that strong, and I know the nukes we've got right now are much, much bigger, but yes. that's not what I'm worried about like I said, I think the odds are if there will be a use of nuclear weapon, it's not going to be the U S or Russia. It's going to be a country that has much smaller and, and really much less refined weapons and has a culture where they think that this is their only option. Like it's like backing a rat into a corner. If it right, can't run why, away, it's going to bite.
1: Which is why everybody's afraid of Iran getting the nuclear weapons.
0: Oh, totally. Absolutely. And I think that's a legitimate fear for this administration, but it's also created a, it's In some ways, it's made it easier for the current administration of Iran to remain in place because it gives them an instant boogeyman in the United States wanting to destroy us. It's a lot easier for any government to function with an external enemy because as soon as you take away the external enemy, people start looking at the inside. What happened after the fall of the Soviet Union? Well, America no longer had the evil empire to worry about. And so We well, had to worry about something. Well, and that's why we had to create WTC7, yeah.
1: In which were coming up on 20 years, which is uh, exactly. world.
0: Exactly. It, if it, it's it's not a surprise given how quickly legislation came up after 9/11 that clearly plenty of people were preparing for 9/11. Whatever it would have been called, there was Already a plan in the works to enact something, and uh, I, I think that there's a. Uh, I'm not just going to go out, you know, just blankly say, "Well, no, nine nine eleven was a was a you know, conspiracy that was orchestrated by the U.S. government and all these elite dark forces or whatever." But I will say that when a country does not have an external enemy, the people that run that country get a lot more nervous. Because the eyes are more on them and an internal enemy arises. So it's extremely important for any government to be able to have external enemies.
1: Well, yeah, because now you're seeing Trump is the enemy and then that's now gone into Republicans are the enemy.
0: And that's a problem for the Democrats because they've allowed themselves to be lulled into a trap. Maybe this was the whole QAnon thing to begin with. Mm. Uh, They've allowed themselves to be lulled into a trap of talking about internal enemies. And the problem with talking about internal enemies is that you're effectively reducing the amount of people that are supporting you by half. Like you're turning half the country into the enemy. If you have an external enemy... And you use the right rhetoric, you can have what, what nearly maybe not the whole hundred percent of the country, but damn near the whole the whole country' standing behind you and yeah. even if you have horrible domestic policies, if you have some victories abroad in your fight against the external enemy, then even people who don't really like what you're doing in the country
1: will like what you're doing outside fighting the enemy well and a lot of people don't remember or weren't around. 20 years ago for 9 11, because George Bush, the younger, was not really a popular president. He was not. Barely seen... elected.
0: He was barely elected.
1: Yeah. We go back to Florida and the Chad, the Hanging Chads, and there was a lot of strife. There was a lot of internal fighting. He was not seen as a strong leader. And I'm not saying everything he did in response to 9 11 was right, but what ended up happening, at least in the short term, was. The country unified yeah. in a way that it hadn't been
0: and I think this is how the idea of creating nine eleven was justified if it was. I have no idea if it was or not, but if we play conspiracy theorists here for a sec, I think this was the rationalization is we have to give people a common enemy. Here are our options here's some guy in Africa, some guy in the far east and and here's a guy that has been wanting to blow up a building in New York for a while named Osama bin Laden. Let's look at the pros and cons. Which one of these would make the best enemy?
1: Right, and what dominoes will fall in the face of this?
0: Yeah, and I'm sure there were a lot of conversation. We know this because there were people that were Saudi Arabians in the U.S. right before 9-11, and their planes were the only ones, if you remember, that were allowed to fly immediately after 9-11 were planes bringing saudi arabian citizens back to saudi arabia it was a little bizarre that those were the only flights allowed to fly anywhere in the united states so they were flights out of texas out of houston and there were flights out of virginia there were flights
1: out of new york and then what you had was bush the younger about you do you know, don't want to just call him w w we could do that i met him he seemed like an okay guy I, at that point, i met Obama
0: was... or not Obama. I've met what's his face, Bill. I've never met Bush.
1: You, you met uh, Clinton. You didn't ask any Lewinsky questions. I'm sure. I did not. Know. That was pre-Lewinsky Clinton. Oh well, see that was easier then. That was easier. Uh, Bush, I just asked. Baseball was in bad shape then. I'm like, you could be a good commissioner, and he just laughed. He's like, why would I want that headache? And I'm like, okay, I can't argue with that. That's... But it was at a it was at a book signing. But immediately he was on the ground in New York, and uh, that really rallied people together yeah and uh, then he threw out the first pitch at a yankee game about a week later mm-hmm. while wearing like 100 pounds of uh, bulletproof vest yep. and, and still threw a strike which is uh something biden i don't know if he could get it off the no, mound no. well obama um, certainly couldn't but i know and obama pretended to be a baseball fan oh, on. obama never played
0: sports <laughs> but bush, not black
1: bush all of a sudden just took on a whole new persona and he really isn't a Conservative, but uh, he was very much involved with things going on in Afghanistan, and of course, the statement that he and his wife put out were about how uh, you know sad they are at the turn of events of what's going on. But
0: I think Bush was the person, perfect person for Rumsfeld and the rest of the gang there to utilize for this. So if you wanted somebody that would play along, but you didn't even really have to tell them the, the details. You just needed somebody that acted predictably in such a situation. I, I don't think they could have done better than Bush.
1: No, I think he played his part. I think it is interesting when you look at the polling between now and 20 years ago on race relations is that 20 years ago they were good. Now they're bad, which is weird. And we've covered that a lot. And there is a lot of things going on now to create division within the United States. And. There's all sorts of, you want to talk about conspiracies, you can go on for hours about why this would be done, but, you know, we are, maybe we need another, we need another national enemy because then everybody forgets. It's one of those things. It's like, uh, you know, it's like this thing with Ryan, we had our argument, but I'm like, if we were in a bar and somebody took a swing at you, I would have broken a chair over the guy's head, but then I would have ran hell of course, but you know, I would have had your back for the moment before. I got the hell out yeah, of Dodge. Yeah, but you
0: wouldn't have banned the guy from the bar. That's all Ryan was asking. Just ban him from the bar. I don't want to have him get hitting me. And you're like, well, it's not really fair to ban him from the bar. Not and, my bar. Well, like, it was your bar, but you still didn't want to ban him. Well, it's not your bar. You're right. You're right. It's not your bar. It's somebody else's bar that you have keys to. Yes. And then and, and, you have a history of banning other people like me, but. You deserved it. <laughs> there you go.
1: The truth
0: comes out. He no longer denies it. I got you know, banned for just I being kick, a nice guy.
1: In the troll room earlier today, I did kick the biggest asshole ever to be in the troll room. So I will admit that I kicked myself <laughs> and it works. It will kick me out. I can kick me out. And I had to wait the 60 seconds to come back in. I was mm-hmm. just joshing around with Sir Matthew and I said something to him funny and he's like, how dare you? So I kicked myself and uh, I learned my lesson, which is good. But uh, we need a new national enemy that would bring everything yes. back into focus. Forget all of this black versus white. Forget all of this Democrat versus Republican. Forget all this LGBTQ and all this crazy stuff that people so are let looking me for division. Question, then,
0: Given yes. where I've steered the conversation, do you think it may be convenient that the Taliban is now seen as this evil force that's taken over Afghanistan?
1: Oh, of course it could be. It could be, and that may be what this is all setting up, which is, did we really leave Afghanistan, or are we just setting this up so we can make another run? I would be worried at this point for uh, everybody near the...
0: We don't even need to make a run. We just need to use them as diversion to get people to start hating them instead of quibbling internally. And then, ultimately, uh, the Biden administration can... Just literally do nothing Claim until victory. people just keep asking almost for. We should go into Afghanistan and, and rescue those poor people. Just look at the women and the children and all the non white men in there. It's like a, it could be used as a way to not just change the conversation and not just have an external enemy, but to essentially go in there not. And then not explain to people why you're going in there, but wait until there's enough of an up uproar and a cry out from the populace, as it were, to go rescue those poor people who are clearly being, whatever, they're being treated poorly, whatever
1: the phrase you want to use. Yes. And you're going to see it because of yeah, social media. It's
0: a wag the dog scenario, right? So you're basically creating something that'll make good television.
1: It will. And it could work. And all you need then is another, uh, I guess you don't even need it. But you have another any attack or on American soil where there's another terrorist thing going on. It's going to be interesting to watch because there is a script. This the Afghanistan thing doesn't seem right. It doesn't really sit right with what's going on. And maybe this is another thing that is just a bigger part of something. We, we don't quite see the full picture yet. But You know, this is why people come here for this kind of analysis. And they should be listening to Sir Gene Speaks because you break this kind of stuff down and then they can listen at three times the speed. And I noticed it seems like almost nobody is subscribed over there. So I don't know. I'm just going to con- try to convince people. Well,
0: it's a very elitist podcast. There's just a very select group of people that... I mean the host
1: is elitist?
0: They, they, they No comment. <laughs> they, a small elite group of people that want to stay on the very bleeding edge of analysis of this world. I get it. It's not for everybody. For a lot of people, if you listen to it, you're just going to scratch your head and say, my IQ is just not where it needs
1: to be. So, so wait. So you're thinking we should have a intelligence test for people to be able to subscribe to Sir Gene Speaks?
0: Oh, well, that, that test is built in. That literally happens as you're listening. And especially if you're listening at
1: 3x. And if you don't pass the test, then all of a sudden it just deletes itself from if the podcasting you don't pass the app- test,
0: then it forces you to push the button that says delete. Yes. Yeah, yeah mine- I don't get it. This is not for me. You're correct. Yeah. That is not
1: for you a manchurian candidate kind of a thing are you is there do you have sleeper cells gene should there be something we're worried about here
0: i don't even know what that means i i couldn't even imagine (laughs) answering
1: a question about something i don't understand what you're asking good good that's good we do have a couple experts to thank and uh, we do work on the value for value model this show which may or may not still be grumpy old ben's and uh coming in from a no agenda night which I think is absolutely fantastic. This is the first time... So somebody's I, got money. Okay, that's good to know. <laughs> I've received any kind of correspondence with the sealing wax and the from the signet ring of the round table. This uh, comes from M. Andrew Jones with uh, 3333, and he sent a little card in, Sir Bemrose and Darren O'Neill. I wrote a most excellent book. He knows how to do the marketing aspect. It's a most... Excellent book he wrote. If he said so himself, mm-hmm. which I'll let him get away with that. He's if you like it, will you help me push it to our fellow slaves? Of course, I haven't read it yet, but of course we'll help you push it. It's called Metal, which is a it's a little paperback, a little fun read. It looks like, and it has that kind of a black cover that very in the font that's very much ACDC, and it's a fiction, so a little uh, fun read. It looks like, and uh, he has a website M Andrew Jones. So just M. What's it the- about, Andrew? It looks like it's some kind of uh, behind-the-scenes relationship and of, uh, let's see. Let's read the blurb. Metal, a rock and roll story of assorted obsession and cold, hard cash.
0: That sounds like it's right up your alley. I'm sure it's a great book. I'm not going to read it, but I think you should. And then do a book review? Uh,
1: Yeah. Well, you could probably do a book review without reading it. Let's be honest. Most book (laughs) reviews are done without reading the book. That's true. And he did donate to No Agenda yesterday, and uh, Adam was asking John if he had a blurb, and John said, like, no, he didn't ask me. I would have done one. So, see, huh. next time anybody's writing a book, if you're a No Agenda community a producer, if you're a knight, go to JCD. He'll give you a blurb. He won't read the book, but he will give you a blurb, and that may be helpful for you. Uh, he says, keep on ranting. Thanks for your courage. And uh, if Ryan wants his own copy, I will give Ryan the information yes, on that. Yes, give
0: uh, Ryan his own copy. He will definitely read that. He better will, yet, if you've got an audiobook version, he will totally listen to it.
1: That, see, for me, that would be better, because my vision sucks, so we need audiobooks. Right, right, right. Well, it, you could listen
0: to it on Texas speech Kindle. Well, it's a paper book that he sent, oh, well, otherwise
1: I would agree does with he you. Not Although have I think
0: a, he's got to have a Kindle version. Who who does a paper book these days? <laughs> he did, which, I mean, I well, get it. I do as well. I've got several books out there, but it doesn't mean that people
1: should be reading them. They ought to read the Kindle version. My wife always says she reads things, and I'm always like, no, you listen to things. Yeah, it's slightly I, I different. And I, I think it does go into your brain a little bit differently from reading text. It's faster.
0: That's the key thing for me, as I found that my reading speed is substantially slower than my listening speed. I can listen at 3x just fine. I
1: can't read at 3x. But do you not find your mind wandering a little more during the audio? Not at where, 3x, it isn't. I guess you're right. I, I noticed that because I've tried since you have your little crazy thing that everybody should listen to your show at 1.25 or whatever, I had never done this. So I've been testing this a little bit Mm -hmm. and I've realized that if the app is good at what it's doing, it is still quite understandable up to about three times.
0: It is. And, but but here's the thing, a warning I will give, do not listen at anything above one and a half speed. If you're driving because your (laughs) brain will, no, I, and it's, all, it's, it's totally I get it. serious because your brain needs a certain amount of processing power to actually drive the car. And as you crank up the speed, you start focusing more on the audio and leaving less and less processing power for everything else. So if you're at home doing whatever, go ahead and listen to it at high speed. But if you're driving like one and a quarter, one and a half
1: max. Otherwise, your CPU maxes out. and Otherwise, then you're going to go end
0: up in somebody's. <laughs> Rear end and their bumpers sticking out of your car, and it's not going to be pretty. They'll be
1: like, I was listening to Sir Gene at four times the speed.
0: The humanity. Yeah, although you finished the episode nice and quick that way, so there's <laughs> yeah. a pro. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but, but uh, I don't know. I think there is a big difference. And like, I've heard people that are really fast talkers, not just auction guys, but people that have specialized in speaking fast. But We like the Ben
1: Shapiro's.
0: No, way faster than Ben. Like Ben is a fast on the average side of speaking, but there are people that like actually practice fast talking and they can speak at the 200 words a minute, which is crazy high, but they're harder to understand than a computer accelerated version of normal speech because humans are not made to change what their vocal cords are doing at this Speed. So I think there is a natural limit to the speed of vocal communication from a creation standpoint. And that speed is lower than the speed of listening to vocal communication. That makes sense. And then writing was invented way after speech. So we're way slower writing and reading. And again, some people read the shit ton in practice and they can read a lot faster. Like speed reading where they read the whole damn page at once. I've uh-huh. tried all those things, and I maybe see a slight increase at the speed that I can read, but in you're general. You're like, it's all
1: crap. Nobody can really comprehend.
0: Yeah, it's like, I don't know. I, I, If you're just, you can definitely speed read, but the impression you'll have after speed reading is equivalent to Cliff's Notes, in my experience. I'm going to qualify that. In my experience, if I speed read a book, or even just a chapter of a book, I've got roughly a Cliff's Notes understanding of what happened. I couldn't tell you all the names of all the characters. I can tell you what the plot line was. I can tell you if something major happened, but I'm not going to have all the nuances. If I normal read or listen to an audiobook,
1: then I'll have a much better comprehension of exactly what happened. Yes, much more in the details of what actually went in. Yeah. Or on in the story. That would make sense.
0: So, I think people should experiment with it. They should play around with different speeds, see where their preference lies. And I know for me, if I'm watching a YouTube video, I'll usually do it at one and a quarter speed or one and a half. If I'm listening to an audio book, I'll do it at 2x minimum. If I'm listening to podcasts, it depends on the podcast, but most of them are running at about 1.75
1: to 2.25. And Adam Curry, the pod father, would tell you why you're wrong that we pace things as professional podcasters in such a way. And you're ruining it all.
0: Yeah. And it's, uh, I've had the conversations, believe me, in person (laughs) with Adam. And (laughs) and the compromise that he got me to make was instead of me pre-accelerating the speech in my podcast, to just put a a warning label that says you should be listening at least 1.25. And yeah, like I said, that was the compromise. and I And because his threat was like, don't ever speed me up or I'll never do your podcast. And I said, okay, I'm going to put it back to normal speed, and I will just let people make up their own minds. And then he proceeded to not do my podcast.
1: That's yeah, him. maybe. He's teaching you a lesson, he's Gene. Me.
0: And his resp- every time I ask him about this, so what's the deal, Curry? And he's, oh, I'll be on your podcast when I have something to say.
1: He's on everybody else's podcast. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> he's
0: literally doing everybody else. But he, do- oh, no, he doesn't have time to do mine. Thanks, I get Adam.
1: it. I get it. There are a few other experts to thank, including Darian Rundle, who comes in with 10 bucks with a note saying, I'm going to miss Ryan and his rants, but I don't dig the I'm taking my ball and going home vibe. So supporting you, Darren, with whatever you do going forward. I said at the start of the show. Hopefully, uh, things will work out with w- what's going on with Ryan and uh, we can move forward with that. But I appreciate the support because I'm going to keep talking and doing stuff with Sir Gene, with Larry. We have that new show coming out, which is going to be called Planet Rage. We need yeah, Fletcher to so yell what, that. That's all about rock music, right? No, yeah. it's not about rock music. That that should be another show. I've talked to Fletcher about doing maybe a show about music because he's really into music. And I wouldn't well, mind. Well, he's got a voice, too. Oh, I know. Even people say that Larry and I have great voices and they leave Fletcher out of the conversation because you know him mainly from the screaming that he does. But when, By, by the way,
0: having a good radio voice isn't just having a lot of bass in your voice. Oh. That is a common misnomer that people have. You Ooh, get that with a, a lot of
1: microphones. Well,
0: you can do that with a microphone, but there are plenty of people that have a lot of bass in their voice that I would not want to listen to. Not just for content, but just because they don't know how to use that voice. So having a good radio voice is, is, is a compliment to people that have either trained or just stumbled upon the proper usage of their voice combined with good talent.
1: Well, yeah, a lot of it is just listening to yourself afterwards. And realizing that when you're doing a performance, that you need a little more oomph behind it, you want to enunciate a little bit more, you want to have more energy, unless you're going for the NPR thing, because that's easy enough to do with the. Hi, Gene. How are you doing today? That's, well, I'm I'm glad to be on. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> yes, and this is this is where also people would be slamming their car into. Something ahead of them if they had to had to listen to that. But see, I much you know, I
0: prefer t- that. Honestly, that is my favorite style, and I've done several podcasts in that style. The problem is, they're so much harder to edit because and, uh, when you are speaking right in the mic at a low uh, volume like this, the variance that you have to deal is much greater, and you have to like flatline everything. There is a lot more opportunity for hearing imperfections. Versus if you're just talking like this, as most podcasters tend to, and guys on the radio, it's really easier to edit. Because a lot of those little bumps in the road, people just don't pick up on.
1: Yes, it's easier to edit and pull stuff out. Our buddy Sir Omaha says, Gene is a tough listen. I zone out from his tone. So he doesn't like your tone, Gene.
0: Yeah, well, as I said previously, (laughs) we do have... A self-selected elitism factor in the podcast. So yeah, clearly he is not one of the listeners.
1: If you listen to Gene though at two times speed, he sounds beautiful. <laughs> That's the beauty. Of yeah, it. I give it a try. The- give
0: it a try. Maybe you'll self-select back in.
1: I told Ryan when we were talking about some of this stuff and going back and forth about formats and was the show getting a little too muddled between politics and tech? And is this really an audience that you could grow and people enjoy both sides of that? And there a, were a lot of good questions, and I just made the comment that, overall, I thought that Grumpy Old Benz was a—may not have a huge audience, but I thought it was a solid enough concept that I said I believed that Grumpy Old Benz could continue on without both of us. I think it's an easy enough if you're looking at—
0: uh, Well, yeah, you just, guys just knocked off cranky geeks anyway, so yeah, I'd say— Kind of. That was
1: a concept, and Ryan's response to that was, yeah, but not everybody could do that. And I said, Well, imagine we turn this over to John C Beck and CSB, and I that got him, I think, laughed. Just imagine I'm mm-hmm. like, wouldn't you listen to that show? JCD and CSB talking about tech and politics. I would tune in to every episode at that point.
0: Yeah, two guys that think they they know better.
1: The Slovak brothers, although you know, CSB includes you in that too. So I mean, he you does could,
0: uh... all the time. I know, I know. It's it's really funny. Yeah, my my Slovak, bro. It's yeah. I guess theoretically, sure, why not? And I don't mind, but it, it is like that term is extremely East European outside of Russia. So in Russia, nobody would say you're you're a Slovak, yeah, because you're Russian, and right. that that holds a higher level of meaning. Whereas in Poland, in uh, these other border, I don't know, Latvia, Estonia, and. Belarus and so and all these places, and I'm I'm sure somebody just got offended at me for including all of those in one <laughs> list because they all hate each other. But there seems to be more of a tendency to think of themselves beyond the name of their country and more in their ethnicity, and the ethnicity isn't white. The ethnicity is are you Germanic or are you Slovak or whatever. In Russia, I definitely did not see that. Like people are either Russian or like. Foreigners and people you didn't really give a shit about. So it was one, one or the other. Not a whole lot of ethnic. Don't get me wrong. Russians were, as a general rule, actually still are extremely racist. The jokes, the little slang sayings and everything. An American would be shocked if they heard people talking on the street. They would consider Russians to be insanely racist. But you could also have that same exact experience in China and that same exact experience in Japan and a lot of other places where they consider their culture and their country to be superior to others. It's pretty common that people would use racist-type terminology. The U.S. is clearly the most sensitive place in the world when it comes to that.
1: Well, wokeism is alive and well, but the interesting thing is most of the people that would consider themselves ultra-woke don't hate people because of their race, but they really hate people based on their politics. So is that really any better? Is that, I don't know. I see that's a downfall. Speaking overall. of, folks,
0: there have been a few people posting on Nogem Social about how their companies are looking at requiring every employee to get a vaccine or they're implementing policies that these people don't like. And I wanted so keep in mind, this is as of the time of the recording of this episode of the podcast, the podcast formerly known as, as Gob, now is Symbol. But right now, I am looking for one of my clients for a head of technology person. And it's essentially somebody that's going to be managing a, a group of developers and tech people, should have a good understanding of, from a hands-on perspective of web-based development so don't doesn't need any iOS or, or Android or any other platforms but certainly like PHP and related web technologies and it's a hundred percent remote position pays somewhere around 175 180k so if anybody's looking for a job reach out to me gene at com, and I can hook you up with the full job description a few people that have gotten there already <clears throat> have said this is like beyond the level at where they are, which is fine, but I'm obviously searching on LinkedIn, searching in other places, but I'd love to help a fellow no agenda person land a nice gig like this if if they have the right skill
1: set. Yeah, sounds good. And we have a few other experts to thank, including Stevie coming in with 10 bucks, Tim Radder coming in with 330, and our buddy Jeremy Gertis with the streaming 33 cent checks, which I love. He's got different memos on the 33 cent checks like this one says streaming checks this one says podpingstats.com this one said equal 783 satoshis this one says monthly netflix subscription so he's having fun i don't know that's creative if if he's randomly pulling this stuff in but his bank is allowing him or his credit union in this case to stream us 33 cents a day via paper checks which is a beautiful thing that's hilarious when it all comes down to it yeah when you think about the the, postage costs more than that multiple checks do come in one envelope but yes the postage is still probably prohibitive when it comes down to what's going out the irony is
0: all you got to do is take a photo of that check on your phone to deposit it so it's like yes
1: why which is what we do and that Mm -hmm. is the who goes to the bank anymore? You right. Sign it. Well, last time picture. I went to
0: the bank, they made me wait outside the bank because I wasn't wearing a mask and I wasn't about to wear a mask and I didn't have a vaccine thing. And I'm like, well, you guys figure it out my money's in there. So you tell me what, how you'd like to service my needs as a customer.
1: And yeah. they made you install their app and you can do all this at home, dude.
0: Yeah. There's no, I, I needed a, what do you call it? A, one of those people that signs documents saying that. A notary public. Notary public. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And eventually they, the notary came out and did her thing and apologized to me and then went back in I was like, yeah, I don't care. That's fine. If I got to wait a little longer, that's all right. But there's, I'm not going to do the pretend theater stuff.
1: You are a dangerous man,
0: Gene Nevtuliev. I am a dangerous
1: man, absolutely. But thanks to everybody for supporting the show, formerly known as Grumpy Old Benz, maybe someday again, Grumpy Old Benz, but you can go to grumpyoldbenz.com slash donate. We work on the value for value model like all of our shows do, which means if you got some value out of the show, it's up to you to put a number on it and get that value back to us in any way, shape or form that you want to. Be creative, piss off your bank, do whatever you want to do, whatever feels good. And uh, we appreciate everybody for listening as well.
0: Yeah. Um, and thanks for co hosting uh, Gene Speaks, Ren. I know we keep giving you more content
1: because Sergeen, we got it. Sergeen Speaks used to be on like 15 episodes a week and it then did. it went dark it for a while. Yeah. And the average know, we, we is probably still
0: two a week, the average, but you know.
1: But now we want more. We want more of the Sergeen well, Speaks. People are demanding it. What can I do? Yes. It's the elitist group of people that are demanding it. And it's much like I just did uh, the majority of my random thought show this week on. A study that came out of Yale, because for the longest time, the social media companies were saying, no, we just allow people to have conversations. We're not steering them in any way, shape, or form, that we're just the public square. So you can't blame us for the content. We're just, we're not publishers, which is where the whole section 230 comes in. And this Yale study found quite differently that the way the social media sites work because it's not just Gene posts the message and people read it. You have the mechanism that the social media ads on Facebook, it likes on Twitter. It's a retweet or a like or a share Mastodon on the same thing. All these social media sites have ways built in to show the people posting the stuff that you like or agree or want to promote what they said. And they found that these particular elements were very responsible for driving more extreme views because people that post that all of a sudden get a ton of likes who don't normally get likes. Now, if you just posted something a little bit more on the crazy end or whatever it is, conspiracy theory, whatever dangerous speech that whatever it is that you post and you got a reaction, you're going to start posting more because people like that dopamine hit. And I thought it was interesting that you can actually point to the way they do business as part of the problem.
0: Well, they've tapped into, obviously, a way to increase their engagement. So it makes sense.
1: Well, yes, that's all it's about is keeping people engaged. It's not about making the experience better for you. It's just about getting you to keep coming back, which I mean, okay, granted, we're doing that here. You do that on Sir Gene. You hope that the stuff you put out there keeps people coming back and keeps them engaged and wanting more.
0: Honestly I don't really care. I'm doing it just because my friends are sick and tired of hearing me speak and so they've said (laughs) look why don't you just like record yourself speaking or something because then I don't have to listen to you when I'm on the phone which is why I started doing Sir Gene Speaks. So it's neat looking at stats right? If there's for example one of the stats where the, the episode that I did with Bemrose had more listeners in the episode I did with you,
1: but... I believe it. If we... Well, because you and I had already done an episode on Grumpy Old Benz, which was oh, one no, of that, Oh, our...
0: that was the episode I'm, I'm referring to.
1: No, there's no way the Sir Gene one had more than that. There uh, were thousands yeah. of downloads on the one you did with the first Grumpy Old Benz. No.
0: Oh, yes. No, you're correct. No, I, I'm saying the episode on Sir Gene that I did with you got yes. slightly fewer downloads than the episode that I did with Bemrose and Sir Gene. But yeah, because people had I, heard our shtick. That's right. So they were sick and tired of it, and they didn't need to hear it again. Yes, which is why that's, I keep bringing you back. That's why I'm on here again, exactly. To keep
1: punishing yeah, the well trolls that, with more so sergene. That
0: seems like a better reason for doing this. It's it really does. punishment. So,
1: so you'll be back next Friday to punish them <clears> a little <throat> bit more? Oh, yeah. I think it's fun. I like
0: having somebody else to to host my podcast, so I'm totally going to be
1: here i know we're free labor gene you really should cut me in on some of that hundreds of thousands of dollars you're talking about it's all
0: bitcoin though and i know how much you like bitcoin <laughs> not dude
1: you see so you say that but it's not true well, i like the last crypto. time i talked
0: well, i i don't know about that because when i talked to adam he explicitly told me that if there's one person that really hates crypto
1: it's <laughs> darren no i've got tons of own oh, okay not tons but i have enough uh, cardano which uh, I'm enjoying the jump that it's made over the past week or so. Um, Uh, What kind of dog is Cardano? I'm not familiar with that dog. It is one of the guys that had started Ethereum, started Cardano. It is a, it's a, not a proof of work thing. It's a, it's it's the other, now I'm blanking on what it's called, but it is adding all the smart contracts and all this kind of stuff as a hard fork that's coming in September. Mm -hmm. And it was one that uh, void zero way back when, and the minute it hit Coinbase, because I'm not a professional crypto person, I don't know much about crypto, but Void way back when said, yeah, if I was going to speculate on anything, it would be Cardano and Polkadot. So when Cardano popped up on Coinbase, it was about a buck. And we were talking about this on Grumpy Old Benz, because this only happened six, seven months ago, it seems. It was about a buck. And uh, now it's up to two fifty. It's been it's a nice little surge. It's not exactly tens of thousands of dollars, but it's a proof of stake. Yes, thank you. Sold your
0: house and put all the money into crypto. no, No,
1: I'm not an idiot. Okay, no, I've taken the I've taken all of the crypto donations that have come in for Grumpy Old Ben's. Gave Bemrose his half, and I left everything else in crypto. Mm -hmm. Now, so I've never really pulled anything out. I took all the Bitcoin. And Ethereum that has come in and pretty much converted that to the Cardano, which was a smart move, it appears. Although Bitcoin still goes up and down quite regularly. But the Cardano, I think, if it could be something to uh, compete with a theory. I just figured it's a theory of the more you can have that if this at a buck, if this could even go up to 20 bucks, which isn't crazy when it comes down to what a lot of these cryptos were doing then it would be a nice return. And if the reality is, if it all went to hell, it's basically a, you know, with the cost that was put into this, I think I added like a grand, but it was like a nice vacation, a couple thousand dollars in the crypto and just let it sit there. And if you lose it, it's like Vegas. I would not be one of these crazy people. Although it comes down if, if you sold your house and put every penny you had into it when it was a dollar and now it's three bucks, then you look like a genius, but I'm not that brave because I also know know, when you buy in. You're not
0: pulling a Max Geyser here.
1: No, because I'm too afraid. If you put a buck in and a buck, then it could drop down to a penny. And then you're left with nothing. Yeah. Well, when
0: Bitcoin basically dropped by half in the downturn last few months, that was definitely not fun to watch. (laughs) It's like, I have more sats, but less value.
1: Okay. Yes. Yeah, and it was quick. This stuff oh, happened fast. so fast.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and it it's gotten up and down since then, and it's not quite at its bottom. At this point, it's recovered some. But for a while there, it looked like Bitcoin was like, every day you check the price, and it was like
1: another $1,000 higher. Yeah, and uh, Bacon Dude absolutely right, says, buy crypto with your spare change. Don't make a lifestyle change. That's his motto, and that is exactly where I'm looking at this. It's, it's, uh, it's something to speculate in, but if... The crypto markets crash, then it's going to be like, oh, like what happens every time I've gone to Vegas, which I've Mm -hmm. never come back from Vegas with more money than I left. It could happen at some point. It would be nice. But, you know, okay, so I drop 500 bucks in the week or a thousand, whatever it may be. And then that was your entertainment. And that's what Bitcoin is. That's what all these cryptos are to me. I do believe that one of them will end up shaking out and being the winner. I don't know if that's a Bitcoin or not. I think it's probably going to be around, but I think there's a lot more money to be made in the coins like Cardano. Although I think lately now, Cardano has moved up to number three as far as the overall market cap on it. So it's not just a little coin that can anymore. It's one that actually might have a chance at jumping, but that's why it's fun to watch. And I'll come to you for uh, some crypto advice, Gene, and then huh. when. W- w- when it all goes horribly wrong, at least I can
0: You're going to be worse off if you do.
1: <laughs> so, Okay, if I ask you what to do with the crypto and then do the I'm opposite. I'm a late
0: comer to crypto. I've made fun of it for many years. Adam and I have had these conversations years and years ago. And I was just sitting there nodding my head when he was making fun of it as well and saying, yeah, oh my God, it's insane. People are so stupid buying this shit. And plenty of stupid people made a lot of money.
1: Yes tons of money there yeah. was just i saw an article about a, a dutch family that now has four hardware wallets hidden around the world that mm-hmm. they've split up their crypto in that when i think it was when bitcoin was at seven thousand dollars or seven maybe no actually might have been like nine hundred dollars when it was mm-hmm. about that point they put everything they had into it and i remember yeah, there's
0: an article probably 2010 2011 of some family in, in California that sold their house and moved into a camper and spent the money on buying Bitcoin back when it was like a buck fifty.
1: Oh, nice.
0: And you wonder, did they manage to hold off on pulling that money out and still have it? Or did they pull it out when it hit like 5,000 and they
1: were rich? Yes, and you wonder. Because that's like with the Cardano stuff. It's, uh, that's why I don't want to play the game. I know a lot of people make some really good money playing the game. Because one thing almost for certain with crypto, no matter which one, is, is that there are going to be daily swings from high to low. That's It's very rare that you don't have a decent swing, at least over a couple of days. And there are people that are really good at being able to anticipate the top, sell it off, wait for it to get back to the bottom again, and then buy back in yeah those
0: are those are the professionals yeah those are people that actually make money coming and going
1: yes and uh, if you could do that let me know how because i'd love to do nothing but sit around all day and just press a few buttons and make a lot of cash but i'm a podcaster so you can see
0: that for a while i remember when he was big into doing day trading and uh, he's showing me his whole system and he's got the multi-monitors running all kinds of different uh, graphs and charts on there and I'm like, dude, how do you even have time to do this aside from collecting all the data for No Agenda? And then I think shortly thereafter, he got divorced. So I don't know if there's any connection, or, but but it seemed like it's going to take a full time job's worth of concentration to do day trading. And, I, and whether it's stock day trading or whether it's crypto day trading, I think the process is going to be fairly similar. And it's analyzing trends and then making buys and sells based on that. And no matter what somebody tells you, just downloading an algorithm that'll do it for you is not going to work. It's not going to give you the same kind of return as people that are doing this for real. And, right. Because otherwise, all the time. script kiddies will be rich. Exactly. And for every, everyone that, that thinks, oh, yeah, this is totally working. Look, I made, I doubled my money in two weeks. There's somebody else saying, God damn it, I just lost half my money in two weeks.
1: Yes. Well, yeah, that money, hey, the money you're making has to come from somebody, right? Yeah. Although I'm not sure that's really the case with crypto because it seems to make wealth out of nothing.
0: There are, it it is made, well, I'll tell you, it's really money paid to electric companies that's being converted to crypto.
1: True, true. And we should just, we need to own an electric company. Well, there's a lot of reasons for that. Maybe buy a windmill. No. That cre- no, we talked about that. That that creates problems with the environment, but we can get into yeah, that. Yeah. And, and, get- and
0: that's a reminder, actually, for anyone that still remembers that topic. Keep sending me the emails to gene at surgene.com I've had a few people that have sent me interesting articles and stuff. I've talked to one guy that knows the windmill industry very well, and he promised that as soon as he quits his job, he'll come on and talk about it. Ooh, Uh, so there's a
1: dirty underbelly. So
0: I'm trying to get him to either get fired or quit his job so he can (laughs) come on the show.
1: You need the content. Have you found, anybody said anything that you're like, oh, this is proving your theory? Because I thought that was a hell of a theory.
0: Yeah, it's, no one's quite gone to that level of extent. Then we had, I think, uh, somebody, I can't remember who, on the Nogin, the social, that like did the the basic calculation, saying, well, of all the sunlight hitting the earth, and this is the amount of energy that translates into, and these windmills are like point zero 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 two percent or whatever, or these solar panels are, are representing 0. 0.002%. So it's all inconsequential. Okay, well, fair enough. And as soon as we no longer think that the butterfly effect exists as it relates to the to weather... Which is, I think, the main thing that it relates to. As soon as we agree that is not the case with weather, then I'll agree with you as well that a small change somewhere will not lead to massive changes elsewhere. But the equations right now for modeling weather patterns are exactly that. They, a very small change has massive effects on the
1: output. Right. These are the same people like, oh, carbon it's going to a third of a but then they don't want to believe it's weird it's all well. it is a religion and again part of well there's
0: two one of my arguments is that and i think i've uploaded or at least posted links to the some of the charts the average temperature of the planet was substantially warmer than we are right now we are still in a below average zone as far as climate goes on earth as a whole throughout the history of the earth the other thing is i'm not sure that i'm on the side of the humans here in the long run because there are plenty of other species that can take over
1: for us and maybe do a better job like you said we need an external force to fight gene we sure do it could be aliens but we'll follow up on that until uh next friday if you want to hear more from gene it's hard to believe you do but if you want to hear more from gene it is uh it's like podcast.SirGene.com because if you just go to sirgene.com, I think it gives you a blank page. Yeah,
0: there's not even a 404. That's <laughs> this is the level of elitism that I go to. <laughs> I believe is it. Is that you literally have to type out podcast <laughs> dot to be able to get to the podcast. Otherwise, it's well, I'm sorry, you failed the test.
1: Right. You're at like sirgene.com It's a blank page. You're like, mm-hmm. I don't understand. Oh, he must have quit. He must not be <laughs> doing this show.
0: <laughs> exactly. If that's oh. if that demonstrates your level of commitment. Well, I just don't want you.
1: So com, yes. or, you know, just go into your favorite podcast app and search for Sir Gene, which I think, is, is it one word though? There's in the only podcast? one Sir Jean in the entire catalog. Well, see, there's also an opening for anybody else named Gene. That hey, hey, get
0: hey, in. hey, don't be giving people <laughs> any ideas. They could just totally dilute your brand, man. Oh my God. And And then just think of the most horrible thing that could happen. They might start growing their audience and some of those people might start showing up to my podcast.
1: And then your whole concept would be straight out the crapper.
0: Yeah. They'll have to come up with more ways to exclude people.
1: I like it. Well, until we speak again, Gene, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for all the trolls for hanging out in the troll room live. There was a 81 when I looked earlier. So we were, we were putting a few people to sleep, Gene, but that's okay. That's my we'll- job.
0: I'll do my NPR voice and put more people to sleep.
1: And we will definitely try that again next time. But until then, I'm Darren O'Neill, coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of Middle America, just outside of Chirac, until they drop the nukes.
0: And as always, thanks for joining me. Please do keep in mind that nothing in this podcast represents financial, legal, or medical advice.